morning surfs. This is Sergene with your morning update in the afternoon. So today was an interesting day, huh? Lots of lots of uh, new stuff happening. Uh, let's see. Why don't we just start off with the, um, oh, I don't know, the state of agreement in the United States. Uh, recent Rasmussen poll came out. 75% of Democrats and 77% of Republicans are saying that they're less tolerant of other political opinions than they were previously. So um, I guess the good news is the Democrats and Republicans are pretty much in agreement with each other. They both agree they don't really like the other side, and more so than they had in the past. Uh, not really a surprise for anyone, obviously, that's plugged into current politics and spending any amount of time paying attention to it. But uh, what is interesting, though, to me is that we are very much going through an increase and towards a greater um, distrust and dislike of each other. And a friend of mine had written a book a number of years back uh, called The Pendulum. And it, it essentially finds that there is a, a cyclic nature to uh, the way that people interact with each other. And the cycles go from an extreme of uh, the we, which is sort of where we are right now, we're almost at the apex, to the opposite extreme of the me. And the last time we were in the extreme side of the me, I believe would have been, I think it's a 30-year cycle in, uh, for a uh, swing from one side to the other. So 60-year cycle all the way around. So the last time we were in a me swing um, or would have been in the late 1980s, or I guess that would have been in 1991 would be 30 years ago. So, uh, you know, if we want to put the magic number on it, let's call it 33-year cycles instead of 30-year cycles, then right about 1988 uh, would have been where we are on the other extreme right now. So with that in mind, or if you accept this idea that it is cyclic and they go back hundreds, if not a thousand years to show these cycles, we could be reaching peak division and peak uh, groupthink. And uh, by the way, just to clarify... The we isn't just socialism, right? We implies people uh, becoming very separated into their particular groups, which I think everybody is right now on both political sides of the argument, and not really thinking like purely individuals. Um, when people think as individuals, they identify less with any one group. They might say, well, I might be conservative on this issue, but then I, you know, I, I think women have a right to choose, so I don't have a problem with abortion. But then at the same time, I think that the minimum wage should be $20, but I also like guns. And so you overlap these things and you create a unique individual position that no single group can represent. Uh, in the we side of the equation, where we are right now, people minimize their personal differences uh, with others in the same general group. And the groups themselves maximize the differences between them and other groups. So essentially what you end up with is uh, people that very easily cling to another group or to others with some shared opinions, willing to dismiss the differences within that group, but are extremely staunchly pro their group and anti the other group. Uh, so the, the author of that book is uh, Roy Williams. If you want to find it, the book is called Pendulum. Um, I think it's, uh, it's got a subtitle as well, but if you just look for Roy Williams Pendulum, you should be able to find the book. It's an interesting read. Um, so let's see, what else we got going on today? Well, of course, Jeff Bezos can't, uh, can't skip over him. Um, depending on uh, who you think he is, whether he's Lex Luthor or um, 
whether he's uh, uh, Dr. Evil or any other variety of bald comic book characters or movie characters, um, he has made a uh, decision to step down from his active role in Amazon and go to, I think it was an executive board member role or something like that. So essentially, he's going to reshift his focus. Now, there's already tons of memes popping up with uh, what that will actually mean. Some people think he's going to run for president, um, that uh, Trump sort of opened it up so that every billionaire is now going to have a crack at uh, running for president and um, uh, getting in, putting in, uh, being unhampered, if you will, by lobbyists, which you would have to agree if he went in, lobbyists, much like with Trump, would not have a big impact on Jeff Bezos because he doesn't need the money. He's got plenty of it. Uh, but I suspect, and I'm going to make a prediction here, that that isn't going to happen. I think what Jeff Bezos is going to do is really focus on his space company. Um, because while uh, his company had actually been founded prior to SpaceX, they are significantly behind in development of their rockets. They're actually falling behind in the, the production uh, of their engines as well, which they've contracted out um, to uh, ULA to use uh, in the, their new rocket ship. So I have a sneaky suspicion that Jeff Bezos is going to be focusing a lot more on New Glenn and other projects that are going to come out of their company uh, rather than focusing on Amazon. I think Amazon can probably run without him just fine at this point. It's, it's a behemoth and it has a lot of people in place that can keep doing what they've been doing. So whether he spends half his time Focus on Amazon or 0% of his time focus on Amazon. Uh, I think, um, and the rest of the time on Blue Origin, his space business, I think that the company will do just fine with or without him. Um, from what I've heard, Jeff Bezos uh, already bought a house in Austin. Um, and of course, Elon already lives in Austin here. So we might have some fun sparring matches from the uh, titans of the space race um, right here in Austin City, a.k.a. New San Francisco a.k.a. the Free Republic of California within Texas, um, a.k.a. why the hell did I move here? So uh, it is what it is. Um, Austin is an interesting place, albeit definitely feels a lot less like Texas and a lot more like California these days. It certainly didn't when I first moved here or when Adam first moved here. Austin was quite different. Um, all right, well, enough about Jeff. Uh, what else we got that's happening? Um, well, oh, AOC. Well, we can't have a day go by without AOC talking about something. So... Now, I guess she's, um, she's realized uh, with having a number of House members wanting her to apologize to Ted Cruz that if she, if she has a reason for not apologizing, then she won't have to do that. And uh, the best reason I think she could come up with is saying that she's a victim or a survivor, however you want to phrase it, of assault or potential assault. She didn't go into any details, so we really have no idea what happened or didn't happen. All we know is she was scared. So she was a victim of being scared, apparently. And um, clearly this is meant to say, look, this is why I felt like somebody was out to kill me during the riots when Ted Cruz was giving guns to all the Republicans that are running amok, shooting up in the air inside the Capitol. I for sure thought they were coming after me. Who else would they come after? I'm the youngest and most beautiful congresswoman out there. So, okay, fair enough. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll say I can see how she could have thought that. but. There's a lot of really fishy stuff with this um, Me Tooing that she's doing. And I think, uh, interestingly enough, Tara Reid uh, had posted an article uh, or um, had written, I guess, an op-ed piece talking about how she is willing to believe AOC about her sexual assault. 
Um, although we have no details of any of that. But AOC, of course, completely does not believe Tara Reid's sexual assault could have happened because, well, Joe Biden would never do such a thing, right? So it must be impossible. But um, only time will tell what ends up happening and what kind of details will come out about AOC and her assault, uh, her alleged assault, I should say. All right, what else we got? I got a bunch of stuff about uh, Jeff Bezos here. I already talked about him. Oh, this is a funny meme, and you're going to have to go to No Agenda Social to see it, but uh, actually, you won't. You could, you could also go to the Babylon Bee to see it because they're the ones who made it, and it's pretty damn funny. Um, so it is a picture of the alleged Dr. Fauci standing next to a wheel, like a carnival wheel that you spend to win the prize, and it says science above it, and it's, it's the wheel of science. And uh, so he can spin the wheel of science, and every day, every time he spins it, he can get a different scientific consensus on what should be done to fight COVID. Maybe it's triple masks one day, maybe it's anal swabs the next day, uh, maybe it's getting, uh, you know, one of every company's vaccine plugged into you, maybe it's none of those, and there's something that we haven't seen yet that's on this great wheel of science, but, you know, he is the keeper of the wheel, and when science speaks, we all have to obey. That's, that's how these things work. It, it's a pretty funny meme, though, if you do uh, want to see what it, what it looks like and the story goes with it. Babylon B are the ones that uh, came up with it, so it's on their site. Well, this is just a quick little story. Uh, it looks like the ratings for CNN are out, and no big surprise to anyone, um, since CNN was pretty much revived by Trump's administration and was kept afloat because uh, every news story they had had something to do with Trump. Once Trump is gone, at least mostly gone from the public eye, CNN ratings are hitting the lowest they've ever been. Apparently, they have, uh, for the final week of January, CNN saw the ratings drop 44% compared with week before, pretty much across the platform. So as there's less and less Trump-related news, Trump-related stories out, people are just not tuning in to CNN. They're not forwarding stories from CNN. They're certainly not turning it on. And, and frankly, CNN has been removed from airports now, and that happened, I guess, a number of weeks back. So there's even less opportunity for people to watch it. Uh, in some sad news today, the, um, the Capitol cop who shot an unarmed pro a protester inside the Capitol, he, it looks like, will not be prosecuted. This particular policeman, and I guess we don't even know, did he work for the, uh, for the Washington, D.C. Police Department, for the Capitol Police Department? I'm not even sure who employed him, but he's being referred to as a police officer. So let's just keep calling him that. The, and I'm pretty sure it's a he because you can see that from the video that was shown when Ashley Babbitt was shot. It was definitely a guy and it looked like a guy that was, uh, I'd say in his probably mid thirties, looked white to me, but who knows? So his name's being kept out of the public eye. He's not been identified. And um, it's been determined, I guess, that he used clear and appropriate force. So given that this woman was the smallest thing he could have shot, and could have presented the least amount of damage to the capital or resistance. She had no weapons, and she is fairly small of stature. I'm really surprised about this. If Boy, if, if the color of her skin was darker, I really wonder if we would have seen the same result or if we would have seen a very different result. But nonetheless, there it is. This is the Biden administration. This is the way D.C. is run. We don't know who shot her. We don't know anything about the person, and he's presumably going to get to keep his job. And uh, we just have a... Uh, a woman who served her country now uh, dead. All right, well, let's take a break from political news, switch to another event, which is not a super happy one, but at least it's a not political one. So Elon Musk's SpaceX Starship number nine, serial number nine, 
uh, finally, after weeks of delay, finally had its flight. And it looked like the flight was going fairly well up until probably the last 30 seconds. So 30 seconds prior to landing back down, it appears, and this has not been confirmed yet by Elon Musk, I haven't seen anything yet, but it appears that one of its engines did not restart. And so as it was getting closer and closer to the ground, the angle of the ship, the direction it was pointing was quite a bit off. And that would happen if there's not sufficient thrust to straighten it back out. Uh, and so as a consequence, uh, it touched down at about a 20 degree angle. And of course, uh, there was no amount of landing gear that was going to save it. So it, uh, it exploded in a, in a nice large fireball that was pretty to watch, but a little sad once it touched down to the ground. Now we have SN10, which is the next one to be launched, standing fairly close, probably, I don't know, a hundred meters away. And, uh, that ship Everybody instantly was gasping about, oh my God, why do they have the next one so close? There could be shrapnel flying from this one and hitting the next one. So I, I have to say that question was in my mind as well. And although looking at the video, it did not appear that any large chunks hit serial number 10. Nonetheless, it was certainly within the blast radius. And there was uh, shrapnel flying out and fairly large chunks of metal flying out past the location where SN10 was, just in different directions. So hopefully the crew, um, well, SpaceX, I guess not the crew, but their service team is going to be able to inspect serial number 10 before it is launched and make sure that there hasn't been any damage as a result of the failed landing of serial number nine. And then we can hopefully have fairly soon here, a launch of serial number 10. If, if the problem with the engines is a quickly correctable software issue, I think we'll see that launch fairly soon. If the problem with the engines turns out to be some hardware issue, we may not see a launch for quite a while because obviously they don't want to launch the next one and have the exact same thing happening to it. But we'll keep our fingers crossed that SpaceX will be able to figure this out sooner rather than later. And we'll keep seeing progress made on the Starship line of ships. Interesting note uh, today on the front of censorship, there were two events that happened. It looks like there was a new law in Poland and Governor DeSantis in Florida had made a, uh, an announcement as well about new rules that will be in effect for Florida residents relating to big tech. And the, the new laws in Poland allow people to be able to sue tech companies if they get banned, if they get removed, if their data gets removed. Essentially, it provides for an escalation through the government instead of simply through the private party, which is what we have seen. If somebody gets a, uh, a warning and then a cancellation or a temporary ban or even a permanent ban, whether it's Twitter or Facebook or YouTube, the only appeal process for that has been very nebulous and quirky. There's nothing well-defined. The rules are often made up on the fly. And of course, that process happens completely inside of the company that made the initial decision to either temporarily or permanently ban the person or the company. So with the rules in Poland, now individuals that are banned or companies that are banned will be able to, after exhausting their ability to, to try and appeal within the companies themselves, they'll be able to do that through a government-based system as well. And the, there will be significant fines for companies if they do not respect the legal, I guess, final orders as they come out based on those appeals. And it looks like in Florida, although I've, I've listened to the speech, but I have not read the document, so I'm still a little bit nebulous on the specifics of it. But it does appear that Florida is taking a similar stance in that decisions to deplatform people, decisions to limit access, decisions to remove information, 
will be subject to government review and the uh, ability to for the government to pursue legal ramifications to, for these companies uh, is going to be on a state level. Now, naturally, I think uh, all the tech companies are going to be sharpening their Section 230 defenses. And the Section 230 is the section that was created to allow ISPs to not have to be uh, prosecuted, essentially giving them a way to avoid prosecution if it turns out that they inadvertently to themselves were hosting child pornography. That was the intent when that section was created. I was alive and paying attention to politics when that happened. I definitely remember Section 230. I remember being happy that it was in there because I was working in IT at the time. And uh, the last thing you need is to, when you accidentally run across some illegal material, to then automatically be pulled into the legal chaos that ensues. So the fact that ISPs were protected from that uh, made an awful lot of sense when that ruling first came out. Um, which was in the 1990s. And I, I don't remember exactly when. I'm sure somebody can uh, either remember or look that up. But uh, the net result where we are today in 2021, of course, is that Section 230 has been repeatedly interpreted as a de facto, you cannot sue big tech. You can't sue companies that provide some form of hosting because uh, whatever they're doing, uh, they are exempt from lawsuits. I think that's an incorrect interpretation. I'm not saying that as a lawyer because I'm not. I'm, I'm saying that as somebody that has watched and read a lot of lawyers discussing the issue and making good arguments um, combined with the fact that I actually remember when Section 230 was created and the rationale behind it. And I have to agree that I think Section 230 has been horribly abused. There has been some attempts to say, well, we need to review it and maybe rephrase some parts of it. I think we need to remove it. I think we need to remove it. It no longer serves a purpose that it once did. There, there are plenty of other ways to go after somebody after child pornography, which was originally what this whole section was trying to prevent somebody from unknowingly carrying child pornography from being sued. I think there are other methods to do that right now. So either a complete rewrite of a similar legislation or just a removal of that altogether, I think would be preferable. Again, we'll, we'll see what happens. This will obviously get tangled up in courts. But the good news is while things are tangled up in courts, given the direction that the governor of Florida is going, and I think that also will mean other conservative governors are going to follow suit. I expect the governor of Texas to join in that uh, very uh, broad view of what the digital public square is, along with other governors that are on the conservative side of it anyway. I think we're going to have a lot of uh, legal cases happening and that will tie up a lot of resources from these companies. It'll lower their profitability. It'll make more arguments for breaking them up into uh, various component pieces. And there will be more judges likely to grant injunctions or stays on the matter so that while the cases are pending, while they're being reviewed, while they're in progress, that there will be less of a likelihood that simple dictate action from a large company can remove somebody at a time like what we've seen, where a sitting, sitting president of the United States was removed from Twitter. And regardless of what their rationale for removing him was, I think moving forward, we'll be in a, in a better position from a legal standpoint on a state level to be able to have judges grant a stay of that or a, um, an injunction. All right, let's see what else we've got here. Scrolling back through the variety of news that I've put up on No Agenda Social, and that's really what I'm doing. I'm just looking through my posts for the day. 
and see what, what jumps out at me as being particularly interested now that a little bit of time has gone by. Um, there's lots of Russian news. Obviously, there's a, a big brouhaha with the, uh, the guy who is trying to take down Putin. And uh, he just got sentenced to, uh, I guess, two and a half years for breaking parole or something like that. So there's, there's a little bit of uproar in Russia going on about that. But honestly, there's stuff like that happening all the time in Russia. <laughs> they, they've had the same president for, what, 25 years now? So in that amount of time, there's been a lot of people that have tried to get rid of him. And um, it's not worked out too well for him. I certainly would agree that uh, Putin is not acting like a, a normal elected official. He's figured out, he's maneuvered politically to create very, very high likelihoods of him being in office for a much longer duration than anybody had planned on the president of Russia being in, in office. But I will say that during that time, Russia's economy has grown tremendously. They've stayed out of wars. They've only participated in military action. So I think from an international standpoint, Putin created a lot of stability in Russia. And while the U.S. can certainly bitch about Russia and we can have tariffs uh, against Russia for not doing certain things that we want them to comply with, the reality is, had it been somebody else, had Russia been changing leadership on a much more frequent basis, it would have been a lot more unpredictable. And there would have been a much higher chance that we would have been involved in a, a much costlier uh, military campaign one way or another. The one thing you can definitely say about Putin is after all this time, he's very predictable. Every American president that comes in knows what Putin has done in the past in a variety of situations and what he's likely to do and what he's likely to not do in the future, given similar situations. So the stability of having one leader like that, while it may not be the optimal situation for Russian citizens, and it probably isn't, it actually is pretty damn good for the rest of the world and certainly the United States. Imagine if 10 years ago, Putin would have been, well, he would have left office, whether he retired or whether he, he was removed from office or just not elected, somebody else would have come in. What, what would have happened is, for example, the incoming president decided that China was going to be a great ally to Russia and started working with the Chinese to really corner both the European market, uh, which Russia supplies the majority of the petroleum to, and natural gas, actually, I guess uh, it's uh, more than petroleum. Europe's electrical generation, especially in Germany, is nowhere near enough to provide all the energy needs. And so a lot of European energy needs, especially in the winter, are met by Russian gas. Same thing with Ukraine. Um, Ukraine does not generate enough energy in and of itself. They, they have to buy energy from Russia. And a lot of places do. So uh, you combine that type of control with a Chinese ambition and control for the, uh, the expansion of the global marketplace that they're doing. I think 10 years of that and the U.S. would be in a much worse shape than we are right now. We're not in great shape as it is. But uh, having Russia and China be on the same side would be worse. Thankfully, Russia and China are not on the same side. They are at best frenemies. And at worst, Russia actually dislikes China more than it dislikes the United States at this point. Russia has never really trusted China from the early days. There were a lot of examples of Russian technology being uh, stolen by China. Or even if Russian technology was provided to China, as in, hey, we're going to sell you a bunch of uh, guns and other military hardware, China buys that and then immediately disassembles it, creates knockoff versions, and uh, starts uh, building them themselves. So China does what China does. They do it here. They do it with Russia. They do it with every place they've ever gone. And so, and you know, I think it's a predictable characteristic of China, but it's definitely a characteristic of China. 
So that type of behavior is not something that Russia enjoys, and therefore they don't really trust China. So long end to that conversation is, while Putin may not be the best thing for a democratic Russia, he has been better than the alternatives as seen from the United States. And all the warmongering, all the anti-Russian sentiment, all the, the banging of the drums that has happened in the past and will probably happen with this administration, it, it's either simply a pretend sort of a uh, grumbling, knowing full well that what the, the situation that America has with regard to Russia is actually pretty good. Or a much scarier possibility is that that they don't really understand the benefit of having a stable, sta stable dominant personality running Russia. What happened to a much smaller country, to Iraq, once the United States took out Saddam Hussein? Well, ISIS formed. In fact, we helped create ISIS. It, certainly not ISIS per se, but there's always a risk of some extreme fanatical group filling a vacuum that is created when a known disliked political person is removed from power by force. So Putin may not be the guy that uh, America likes, but he's at least a predictable guy that America doesn't like. All right, enough about Putin, enough about that. And see, is there anything else going on with Biden? I can't see if there's uh, any other stories. Vaccines, I don't even want to talk about. Obviously, there's more and more information coming out about the ineffectiveness of the variety of vaccines. They keep revising their, um, their rates of uh, success. They, they keep changing the durations for how long they're predicted to work. And they keep changing the measures that people should still take even after getting the vaccine. So the net result is, of course, once again, I'm talking about it after saying I don't want to talk about it. The net result is that even if you get vaccinated, if you still have to do the exact same things as the guy living across the street from you, who didn't get vaccinated, what's the point of, doing, of getting vaccinated? Is it, is it, as they were saying initially, well, your symptoms should be uh, less severe. Well, all of those numbers have gone down. So now it doesn't look like even that's true. Or if it is, it's true in, in just over half the people that get vaccinated. But now we're also adding a whole group of people that have either gotten sick or even died shortly after getting vaccinated, which of course wasn't happening before the vaccination started. There's also been uh, more articles talking about the unknowns with these gene-based vaccinations and what happens to uh, pregnant mothers if they get vaccinated. How does that affect the, the fetus, you know, in either direction? Is, is it more than the, could it actually make the fetus have more negative uh, side effects as a result of that vaccination of the mother than if there was no vaccination in the first place? So these are all unknowns at this point. And much like Adam says, I, I'm going to, I'm just going to let everybody else get in line in front of me. I'm perfectly okay with making sure the people that truly, really want and need the vaccinations are able to get them before I ever get mine. All right, guys. Well, with that, I think I'm going to wrap it up. Uh, no, no big speech about what you need to do this time around. We'll talk about that maybe next time or the time after. I do have some new ideas that I've been working on as far as things that people need to start thinking about them. And let me just say the word primary to put that out for all the listeners. The primaries aren't going to be happening too far from now. They're, they're going to be just a matter of months, and I will absolutely put together some information for you guys on what the best course of action is in relating to the primaries, what you can do to make sure the next election doesn't end up going down the way that this one did. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast. Still making changes, still growing, still tweaking things. So by all means, if there's something that you'd like me to uh, hear as far as a suggestion, let me know. 
And uh, if it's a good one, I'll go ahead and implement it. Take care.